if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Remember those words. Remember those words. Always remember those words. We are Americans and we will pull through this together. Good morning. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock as we get started on a free for all Friday. Today being a true free for all Friday in every sense of the word. We are going to be guest free today. We have a lot of experts. We have had a lot of experts on discussing this case. The case is the thousands and thousands of cases around the world of coronavirus. We've had a lot of people on to talk about it this week to give us a lot of different perspectives about how we as Americans will come together and figure this out and work this out. And today it is your turn. We are going to get more phone calls today than we ever have. We're going to take as many as we possibly can while also taking some time to share the latest breaking news with you. So it is the Free for All Friday 20th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord 2020, and we are going to make the most of it. Um, California is on lockdown. They have become, obviously, as the most populated state in the United States, they are the biggest state to enact something like this. They already started it in um, San Francisco and announced yesterday, early in the evening, they announced uh, that Los Angeles was going to be doing the same thing. But then Gavin Newsom said, yeah, Uh, Gavin Newsom is the uh, uh, governor of the state of uh, California, said, yeah, we're just going to roll with it. The entire state is going to be on lockdown. Don't leave the house unless it's an emergency, and they're going to enforce it. This is coming here. Yesterday, um, Pennsylvania instituted a very similar type of plan, and according to multiple sources, this is something that Mike DeWine is considering as well. It is probably going to happen. Now, we don't have any inside information, don't have anything I can confirm, but just watching and reading the tea leaves, if you're paying attention to what's happening in other states, there is a copycat effect. One state does something, the other state says, yep, we'll match. We'll close our schools, we'll close our businesses, our restaurants and our bars, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, we will, quote unquote, shelter in place. So uh, we, of course, are now in a position to watch how this goes in other states, knowing that it is probably going to be following here. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do? 
How are we going to prepare for that? What will be the exceptions? And these are the things that we are going to talk about today. Uh, again, we don't have any order from the governor yet, but we do know that the National Guard has been uh, mobilized to help deliver food, which means they are in communities, which means the Guard is going to be in uh, even rural areas where food has to be delivered and these sorts of things. Uh, so if, if they are in the communities, one might suspect that, yeah, there is going to be uh, an organized plan in place to keep people uh, away from one another for at least that 14-day window that uh, even the White House has identified as being crucial to flattening the curve and stopping the spread of the Chinese coronavirus. So having said that, we have a lot of things to get into about this today. Number one, where are we in terms of the numbers? Uh, I want to share this with you because I found the numbers staggering. Absolutely staggering as I track this. This was updated this morning um, at about 1 a.m. This is the world meter uh, tally of coronavirus cases and deaths as a result, as well as the number of recoveries. And here's what we have. Thus far, there have been 253,000, this again, as of 1 o'clock this morning, 253,960 confirmed cases of coronavirus, the Chinese Wuhan virus, in uh, the world. Uh, 10,409 people have died as a result of the coronavirus cases or resulting conditions affected by that. And 89,070 have been described as recovered from the disease, from the virus. Now, this is what I found simply staggering when we break that down to active cases and closed cases. I mean, I knew, we all knew that the the majority, the vast majority of people who may indeed contract the um, uh, Chinese virus uh, are are going to be okay. But I didn't know the numbers were this, um, this positive, quite frankly. Of the one, listen carefully. Of the one hundred fifty-four thousand four hundred eighty-one active cases right now in the world, now this counts nations that aren't very good at this. Let's be honest: the United States and our medical system, our healthcare system, honestly is the envy of the world. Despite what Bernie Sanders would tell you, despite those who want Medicare for all, it is. Um, it, it is. It is. We have some of the best doctors, the best facilities, the best access to equipment in the world. We are on the cutting edge, the leading edge of all of these things, right? So counting a bunch of other countries that aren't on the leading edge, on the cutting edge, aren't among the world leaders. This is world numbers here. Of the 154,481 currently infected patients, 95% of them Not 80% like you may have heard. That's why I started this segment by saying the vast majority. 80% would be a vast majority. 8 out of 10 is great. But it's so much better than that. 95% of the active cases, or in real numbers, 147,016 out of 154,481 as of 1 o'clock this morning, confirmed cases. 95% of them report mild symptoms. They are in mild conditions. Only 5% of active cases, 7,465 to be precise, described as serious or critical. And that cuts across all 
age demographics, all underlying health issue demographics. That's good news, my friends. That's really good news because this counts, as I said, nations that are not necessarily the best medically equipped to handle this sort of thing, and even with those probably worse numbers, overall around the world, 95% of the active cases are mild cases. In other words, you're going to shake it off in a few days. Okay? Of the closed cases, people who were infected but are no longer infected and had an outcome, here's what we find. 99,479 closed cases. 89,070 of them recovered and were discharged. Or recovered or were discharged, because most of them weren't hospitalized in the first place, because the symptoms were mild. So in other words, that 89,000 out of 99,000, if you're doing the math at home, is 90%. 90% of the closed cases resulted in recovery at home or recovery in a hospital and discharged. 10%, or 10,409 to be precise, of the closed cases resulted in deaths. So I bring this up just to give you a little bit of positivity. This is not the black plague. This isn't something where instant contact leads to your death. This isn't something where instant contact leads to your hospitalization. In fact, the numbers are so much better than we were led to believe early on where we were told 80% of the people who, who get uh, infected will have mild symptoms and mild cases and be fine shaking this off in a few days as if it were a regular flu or a serious head cold or whatever. It's more than that. 95% of the active cases, 90% of the closed cases, if we want to meet in the middle there and say 92.5% of people who contract Uh, the uh, Chinese coronavirus, are going to suffer only mild conditions and they are going to recover at home or they may have a short stay at a hospital where they have to get some ventilation, some respirator help if they have shortness of breath, and then they go home. Literally, less than 10%, less than 10% worldwide, again, including some of the third world countries and other countries that do not have advanced medical systems in place, Um, less than 10% of them result in deaths or serious or critical conditions. I find that fascinating. I find that wonderful. I find that something that we should celebrate. This is not going to be the Black Plague, at least based on what we know right now. Now, having said all of that, many government leaders have decided that the prudent thing to do is to act as if it is. And we are going to shelter in place. And we are going to not gather in crowds of bigger than 10. We are going to close most businesses. We are going to restrict most travel. All of these things are going on right now around the country. When it comes to the state of Ohio, it's probably a matter of when, not if. And we have to be prepared in every way that we can uh, to honor and respect what the government has decided. But do not panic into thinking that if you go into public... And I'm not saying get into the crowds that the spring break, (laughs) these kids just drive me nuts. The spring breakers down there in Florida and in Texas on the beaches who are on television going onto cameras and saying, we don't care about the virus. It's not going to stop us from party. Uh, 
stop. Go home to your families, please. Go home and be reasonable and responsible. We don't need to live in fear, but we need to live smart. We need to live with um, with precautions. We need to live uh, responsibly. We need to make decisions that are responsible. And that's how we get through this, and that's how we get through this together. I'm not telling you to be in fear. As the numbers I just gave you, you really shouldn't be. You really have no reason to be. Do not live your life in fear, but also do not be disrespectful of the process that is being laid out. So I want to hear from all viewpoints on this today at 216-901-0945, So many different layers to this onion that we're going to peel back and discuss today. We're going to talk about the national response. We're going to talk about the international response. We're going to talk more about how we got here, who is to blame and why, and who is being blamed that shouldn't be. We're going to get into that as well. Locally, some scams putting Northeast Ohioans on high alert as people try to take advantage of a crisis and rip people off. We're going to tell you about that, tell you what to look for, and how you can help be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. That's the focus of the program today. Join us at 216-901-0945 right here on AM 1420 Okay, 924, thanks for joining us. I want to hit this real quick so you have an understanding of what the federal government is planning to do to help you through the great national shutdown. And you can have whatever opinion you want about this, but I want to give it to you. I think it's probably a pretty strong start, but it really is only a start depending upon how last the shelter-in-place orders, the closing of businesses, the shutting down of manufacturers. Remember, it's not just restaurants and bars that are shut down. Manufacturers, Ford, uh, GM plants, Chrysler plants, etc., uh, virtually everything. Hotels, airlines are pretty much going down. Nobody can work anymore. So this is a good start, but it can only be a start. It has to be bigger than this. But let me give you the start. The plan unveiled last night by the Senate Republicans, Mitch McConnell, and apparently it has the backing of the president, as well as uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. The plan is to give every American adult $1,200 in a one-time payment that would have uh, a cap based upon your income. So in other words, not going to give $1,200 to a guy who's already a millionaire, right? But $1,200 per person to every individual adult tax filer um, who makes less than $75,000 a year. If you are married and filing jointly, you would get double that amount, $2,400 coming to you in a check from the government as long as you and your spouse don't make a combined over $150,000 a year, which obviously makes sense. It does have a little bit of, like I said, of a... uh, a limit so that people who are making a lot of money who don't need this quite as much uh, don't take this from the government and add to the burden. For example, individuals making that $75,000 a year or less who get that $1,200, um, uh, the, the payment that we, they would get, the $1,200, would fall by $5 for each $100 over the 75,000. So maybe that was worded a little bit awkwardly. So if you are over 70, if you are under 75,000 or under your fine, you get the full 1200 or 2400 under 150. But if you are over 75, $75,000 a year for every $100 more than that you make, you lose $5 in the relief check. 
The payment would phase out entirely for anybody making more than $99,000 a year annually, meaning people who make more than that would not get any money from the government at all, according to this proposal. So, and again, if you're filing jointly, if combined you make 198 or more, you would not get anything from the government. The checks would reduce to $600 for taxpayers who have little to no income tax liability, but have at least $2,500 in qualifying income, according to a summary of the plan. Individuals and couples with children would be eligible for an additional $500 per each child that they have. So this is just, again, I, in my opinion, I consider it a good start. It can't be the end. People are losing their jobs because of the decisions made in response to this virus, and they need to be respectful of that. $1,200 isn't going to replace paychecks every two weeks if we are out of work or people are out of work for a month or two months or three months or whatever. $1,200 isn't going to get that done. It's not going to pay for their bills. It's not going to pay for their mortgages or their rents or their cars or their insurance or any of their food, for that matter. Uh, it, it's a good start, but it needs to be just a start. Now, having said that, this is the most frustrating thing. It has to be done. People who are out of work right now through no fault of their own or their companies, their companies didn't go under because of you know uh, mismanagement at the top or a product that didn't sell or a service that was no longer viable or the company didn't know how to run the place. This is through no fault of their own. Thriving businesses in America's greatest economy in over half a century, um, people don't deserve to just lose their jobs like this, but they are. And they need this relief, and they need it immediately, which is what the uh, Treasury Secretary, the President, and the Republicans in the Senate are all saying. And still, for the Democrats, who just don't give two rips about this country or the people of this country, their response is still politics. In a joint statement released by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, they said, quote, we are beginning to review Senator McConnell's proposal, and on first reading, it is not at all pro-worker and instead puts corporations way ahead of workers. In other words, we are going to block this. We're going to delay the passage of this and let the American people suffer a little while longer. Why? Not because of pro-worker versus pro-corporation, because this is in no way pro-corporation, when literally everybody is getting $1,200. Unless you make a little bit too much, you might get a little bit less. And if you make a lot, then you don't get anything, because you can ride out this storm, right? There is nothing to object to in this bill, other than the fact that it doesn't say, we'll do this again every month, or two months, or something. And yet Pelosi and Schumer have to stop it. Why? Because the alternative is to say, yeah, we read it, we dig it. We like it, let's do it. Because that gives credit to the Senate Republicans and the president that supports it. So politics means more than the relief for the American people who are suffering economically under the cure for this, uh, this uh, uh, virus scare. And that's the most frustrating thing. It just feels like they don't care at all about anybody in this country except themselves and the people that keep them in power. Pelosi and Schumer, if they obstruct and get in the way of you getting that check in your mailbox by next week or the week after, honestly, I hope every American remembers that come November. 
Remember who tried to stop you from getting the relief payments from the government, which should be automatic since it is the government that is taking your job from you, since it is the government and their choices in response to the Chinese coronavirus that is making your company lay you off. You keep that in mind, and you respond to that on the other side of the news, which is now on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward now at 9.35. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer for this free-for-all edition of The Authority. And uh, we're going to go right to the phones here. By the way, I am not going to ignore uh, this disturbing story. No less than four Senate colleagues, apparently, according to reports, decided to profit off of their inside knowledge of how serious the Chinese virus was. And back in February, they sold off tons of stock that were going to drop precipitously in order to make money. Uh, cashing in on a calamity, cashing in on a, uh, a catastrophe is unthinkable. Uh, according to the reports that I have in front of me, uh, they include Senator Dianne Feinstein of California, as well as, let's see, Feinstein serves as the ranking member of the Senate Judiciary. Her husband, she and her husband, sold between $1.5 million and $6 million in stock in California biotech company Allogene Therapeutics between January 31st and February 18th, the Times reported. Um, also involved in this, Richard Burr of North Carolina, Senator Kelly Loeffler of Georgia, and James Inoff of Oklahoma. All three of them are Republicans. Burr used more than 30 transactions, according to reports, to dump between $628,000 and $1.72 million in stock on February 13th. The report said the transactions involved a significant percentage of the senator's holdings and took place about a week before the impact of the virus outbreak sent stock prices plunging to the point where gains made during President Trump's terms in, term in office were largely erased. Uh, Loeffler was appointed to the Senate in December by Georgia Governor Brian Kemp after Jeffrey Isaacson, the incumbent, resigned because of health issues. Despite allies of President Trump urging uh, Kemp to have selected Doug Collins instead, Loeffler and her husband Jeffrey Sprecker, chairman of the New York Stock Exchange, sold stock January 24th, the same day she sat in on a briefing from two members of Trump's coronavirus task force, according to the Daily uh, Beast. Between that day, the 24th of January and February 14th, they sold stock worth a total of uh, between $1.2 million and $3.1 million. In addition to the sales, they also purchased stock in a maker of software that helps people work at home, just before millions of Americans were forced to leave their offices because of the outbreak, the report said. By the way, that means as far back as February 14th, the government has been planning, if this was discussed in that meeting, to close so many businesses and and, uh, tell people not to leave their homes, just to throw that out there. Now, Loeffler has replied, slamming the Daily Beast report as saying it's a ridiculous and baseless attack 
I do not make investment decisions for my portfolio. Investment decisions are made by multiple third-party advisors without my or my husband's knowledge or involvement. As confirmed in the periodic transaction report to Senate Ethics, I was informed of these purchases and sales on February 16th, three weeks, weeks after they were made. Inhofe, according to the report, sold as much as $400,000 in stock all on January 27th in companies such as PayPal, Apple, and uh, real estate company Brookfield Asset Management. The Senate Financial Disclosure data is available all over the net. So there's a, a few questions. Are people being disingenuous? Are they taking advantage of insider knowledge as they make decisions on what to do with their stock uh, in, uh, in an attempt to get rich off of this calamity? I hope that none of them are true for the three Republicans and for the Democrat Senator Dianne Feinstein. I hope none of them are true that they took advantage of uh, of uh, knowledge that they had in order to enrich themselves. That would be wholly reprehensible. Okay, let's go to the phones. Mark in Fairview Park is on AM 1420, The Answer. Mark, thanks for your patience. I appreciate it, sir. Go right ahead. Oh, thank you, Bob. Uh, good morning. Uh, you know, the other day I was listening to Dr. Gorka, and he had a Dr. Chang on there, and they were talking about a suppose a Chinese conspiracy about, you know, the U.S. Army possibly causing the virus and that, but uh, I asked him, and he had heard about it, but I didn't know if you had heard about the possibility of a sales of uh, biolab animals to the wet markets, and one of the people I heard from was this Gerald Posner. Uh, he was talking about it. He just wrote the book uh, called Pharma. He's been studying this for five years. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't heard enough to justify the uh, veracity of the statements that have been made in that, and uh, but if I know the Chinese communists uh, and something like this did happen, they wouldn't say anything anyhow. I mean, how much news are we getting even out of North Korea? But I wanted to say after we pulled uh, my squadron pulled out of Vietnam, uh, we li- we were transported over to Taiwan. I lived in Taiwan for two and a half years, and I like to say something about these wet markets, and they're scary enough. And if it walks, crawls, flies, or breathes, uh, you're going to find it there. Your chickens are hanging there. It's not like a giant eagle where they, you know, cook the chickens and have them in nice containers. They're hanging there with 500 flies on each one. And uh, we, we were especially warned, and I think even TJ was in Vietnam, we were especially warned about this, uh, to stay away from the carts, the booths, stalls, etc. And uh, that's just something I wanted to, a new angle okay. to this, because every time I hear something about some disease or whatever, that's something that comes to my mind first uh, when you talk about the situation that we're in now. I always think back to these stalls and these wet markets. You've never yeah. seen anything like it. And yeah, that's well, all I wanted to like say today, Sounds like with good Bob. reason. Yeah, that's a good reason to be aware of that. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the phone call. As far as uh, you know, the first part, uh, no, I don't have any more confirmation that you than you do uh, about about that. Uh, you know, the allegations that these animals were sold, diseased animals were sold to the wet market. I don't know that. But I do know that there were... <sighs> Early reports of in those bio labs in Wuhan, China, um, where they do tests, they often test on animals, and that some of those animals may have either intentionally or inadvertently made their way into the food chain. Let's put it that way. Uh, and that that might have led to the spread of this, even though it is a respiratory disease. So, uh, yeah, I don't have any confirmation of those things. I'm just kind of reading a lot of the reports. See, here's the problem. He, he's right. He's right about this. The caller, Mark, is right about this. You can't believe anything that comes out of China, and you can't believe anything that comes out of North Korea. Now, in this case, let's stay on China, and let's listen to um, Senator Tom Cotton, who was on with, um, with uh, Martha, uh, Martha McCallum, 
And this is what he says about any news that we get from China. And I think this is important. Ben Shapiro wrote about this today in op-ed on Fox News.com. Sorry, we've got a couple of multiple things playing there, and that's not good. I don't want to hear that, that, that musical audio. I want to play for you what Martha McCallum asked um, uh, Senator Tom Cotton and what Tom Cotton's response was, because it was important. I'll tell you what, since we can't do that now without music, then let's go ahead and take the next call. But I'll give you that, and I will also just give you, you know, I'll cut to the chase here. Tom Cotton said, I would never trust a communist. He said, never. I have never trusted a communist, and I would never trust a communist. And that's important. That's very, in fact, let me, I think we do have it now. All right, hold on. Here we go. Chinese government is chiefly responsible for the explosion of this pandemic. To trust the Chinese government after a global betrayal of this magnitude would not only be foolish, it would be immoral. Joining me now is Republican Senator Tom Cotton, who has a new bill to end U.S. dependence on Chinese manufactured pharmaceuticals, which is something we've been talking a lot here about uh, in recent days. Senator, thank you very much. Good to have you with us today. Um, I guess the big question is, and what Ben Shapiro gets at here, is does this fundamentally change our relationship with China. And can we can we trust the government of China anymore? The president has wanted to have a good relationship with President Xi. Um, but, you know, there, there's definitely been a betrayal of, of information here. No, Martha, I have never trusted a communist and I never will trust a communist. And that's who runs China is the Chinese Communist Party. China doesn't deserve to be trusted. As the president said, they unleash this pandemic on the world. In early December, they knew that there was some kind of outbreak happening with the novel coronavirus in Wuhan. If they had acted quickly, rather than lying to their own people, suppressing the whistleblowers and lying to the world, then not only China, but U.S. and other scientists and researchers and epidemiologists and other experts from around the world could have helped them contain this in Wuhan or in Hubei province. Yeah. But look what we That is so extraordinarily important to understand and true. And that's why Tom Cotton, nothing you believe from China, nothing you hear from China can be believed. I don't trust communists and I never will trust a communist because they lie to advance their goals. That's it all the time. And the real frustrating thing about this is China is now recasting itself. President Xi and his communist party have managed to convince the world that they are the world leader in response to coronavirus. They accused the United States of bringing this coronavirus to Wuhan by way of our military, which, of course, is, is, is ridiculous Chinese communist propaganda. And now that things are slowing, the spread is slowing in China, they're taking credit as the leaders in trying to figure out how to slow it down. They've convinced the world through a willing accomplice in the American media to forget that they are the ones that suppressed all of the efforts to crush coronavirus and limit it while it was still in Wuhan and still in that province. They are the ones who literally were more worried more about the, the uh, reputation, their reputation on the world stage and taking blame for this than they were about containing this. They could have reached out to other countries. We could have saved thousands of lives. But they chose to do the communist thing instead, as Tom Cotton just said. And now they want to take credit as the global leader, making the U.S. and Europe look like they're just a bunch of bumbling fools? And like I said, they cannot, they simply cannot make that case without the willing assistance of the American media. 
CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, largely are, are literally, well, here, uh, let me give you another piece of audio before I go to the next call. Last night on Tucker, talking about CNN and the rest of these left-wing media outlets aiding the Chinese government and advancing their propaganda and literally harming the United States in the process. Well, all over television, you're watching people downplay China's role in spreading the coronavirus and downplaying it at the beginning of lying about it. But on CNN, that's not enough. They always go the extra step over there. Some CNN contributors have practically become emissaries for Beijing. Watch this. It was China that came to the rescue as Italy shook, sending medical personnel, nine pallets of ventilators, electrocardiographs, and tens of thousands of masks, all desperately needed by a healthcare system in crisis and appreciated by Italians stuck at home singing China's praise. Europe had few other options. Donald Trump's America First policy has seen a gradual worsening of the transatlantic alliance over issues like climate change, trade, and most recently over Trump's failure to consult Europe over the coronavirus travel ban, with China now stepping into the global leadership role long abandoned by the American president. It's almost unbelievable that they ran that on the air. It was just pure bootlicking flacking for the communist Chinese government. By the way, if they ever take over, Jeff Zucker will be there serving them. Tucker Carlson is 100% right. It is indeed. They are bootlicking and helping to spread the propaganda of the Chinese communists at the peril of the United States and its leadership. It's unbelievable. Okay, uh, Sandy in Middleburg Heights. Thank you for your patience, Sandy. You're on the Oh, Ohio. sure. Hi, Bob. Um, I am going to talk about a local concern I have, but I just want to mention, I think our relationship with China has forever changed, and we shouldn't only be concerned about pharmaceuticals. What about all the foodstuffs we get from China? Amen. <laughs> so Agreed. I think 100%. they have to... The, yeah. Um, the local concern I have, I called the corporate offices of um, Heinen's and Giant Eagle yesterday because... I have a concern. Uh, people are pouring into the grocery stores with their cloth and vinyl bags yeah. that um, they've been encouraged to use. And it's not the fault of the people. You know, they're trying to be good citizens and take care of the environment. Well, it's the law. It's not, it's not even that. I know. Cuyahoga County makes them do that. No more single-use plastic bags, which is, well, which Heinen, is a county Well, Heinen deal. still uses them, Bob. Whole Foods uses uh, paper. Um, and they don't charge the customer. Giant Eagle is charging the customer for paper bags. But uh, this has to be, these bags that these people are bringing in, cloth and vinyl, the yeah. germs live for days on these. They could be carriers. They could have the virus and not know it. They bring them in. They put them in their carts. Then you and I come in and use the cart, put our food cans and whatever in there. Right. And then we go to the cash registers. These bags are laying all over the, uh, at the end of the roller, you know, they're laying there. Um, maybe the employees are touching them and helping the, you know, the uh, customers put their sure. things in the bag. It, on and on. So I called them. I, uh, you know, I told them I was <laughs> very much concerned and they, please do something about it ASAP. What was their response? Whatever they have to do. What was their response? Put a sign up. They can put a sign up on the door. And provide those paper bags. At no, I'm with Eagle. you, Sandy. But what did and, they say? What, did, what was their response? Oh, they said uh, Heinen's 
I praised because they still have plastic bags, and they said they are considering it right now. They're working on it, and they thanked me. Giant Eagle said, um, thank you for your call, and I will report it to, um, you know, the corporate or whatever. Yeah. That is such a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Sandy, thanks for the call because people do. They take these, um, uh, these cloth bags, these reusable bags that everybody is saying, use these, use these, use these, green and this, green that, planets uh, dying, yada, yada. And, and that's a great point because the, the germs do live on those things. And just think about what she said. You put your food in those, you put those in the cart, then whatever is on the, uh, the bag is now on the cart. And then when you put your food in the cart, it can, uh, pick it up from the cart and then you got to what take home come home wipe down every can and box that you purchased with a lysol wipe except for the fact that you can't get lysol wipes because the uh the hoarders are out there buying you know all of these hygiene products and these sanitary and bacterial wipes uh hoarding them to to the point where they think they're going to need them for the next hundred years and it feeds upon itself. So it's a great point you make. I'm glad you brought that up about the grocery stores. I hope other people will look and see what the policies are in their stores. Use the single-use plastic bags and get rid of them. Uh, you know, we actually reuse them. I think most people do. They're, they're great for a lot of other household uses. This ridiculous banning of the single-use plastic bags is, is, is just that. It's ridiculous. But at any rate, uh, don't be... Uh, don't be using your own, perhaps, germ-covered cloth bags in grocery stores, uh, putting them in places where other people's food is going to go very shortly. It's a great call, Sandy. Thank you. Come back right after this. All right, 9.57, time to squeeze a call or two in here before the top of the hour. If you don't get in before the top, don't panic. You won't have to wait for an interview. We have no interviews today. All your calls and my analysis uh, on AM 1420, The Answer. So uh, right after the top of the hour news, we'll go right back to these calls. For now, down to Naples, Florida, where Jeff is listening to us, presumably on our app or at whkradio.com. Hi, Jeff, go ahead. Hi, good morning. Uh, by the way, I was—I've uh, been a fan of yours since you were back in Toledo, Ohio, about 20 years ago. So uh, oh, that's very nice of you. Ever since, thank yeah, you. Well, thank you. You have a—you've had a terrific show forever. Anyhow, back back to the Chinese. You and Tom Cotton are both precisely correct in that you can't trust the, the red Chinese. They've been stealing our patents, our trademarks, our intellectual property for at least 30 years and more. And now, what they have, I think fired the first shot in what I call economic germ warfare. And the, the red Chinese are responsible for the economic damage that is occurring. I mean, our, our economy is being ravaged right now, and they're responsible for it. Why do we not sue them? I, I mean, it's, I mean if, if I damaged you economically, you could sue me. There are courts for international lawsuits. And I, I, don't, I don't hear any of these brilliant Congress people, and I use the term brilliant satirically. President Trump, uh, I know he knows about this. He and does. He's been screaming about it for 30 years. He, back in the yeah. 80s when he was thinking about running for president, it's the one thing he always talked about. I was listening last night, actually, playing it for my daughter. Uh, Donald Trump talking to Oprah Winfrey in an interview in 1988 about the trade imbalance and everything. And he didn't specify just China, but he named a number of countries that are taking advantage of us um, You know, with respect to uh, uh, trade imbalance and outsourced jobs to those countries and uh, making things cheap and, and, and essentially holding uh, uh, American 
taking consumers hostage. Yep. Well, and, and I think we should you know, file a lawsuit in the world court against them and start collecting the damages. I mean, all this money that's going to be paid out is coming out of your pocket, my pocket, and all the yeah. taxpayers to fund this. We should be reimbursed, and they're the ones that caused the problem. And, you know, uh, I don't understand why no one know is, is, is even talking about final lawsuit against them. But to me, it just I, you're right. I, I don't know enough about the world court, to be honest with you, to know how that would work. I think generally, and thank you, Jeff, for the call and the great points that you're making. I uh, appreciate that very much. I think generally speaking, um, the belief is, this is total conjecture, but the belief is that if you... Uh, you know, are having a problem with respect to intellectual property being stolen and about uh, um, trade imbalances and these sorts of things between the two countries, work it out between yourselves. If you feel like they've stolen from you, don't give them any more of your business. Don't send them any more of your jobs. Don't let them produce things for you. Uh, there are things that you can do to kind of take care of it yourself. That's probably why we don't often hear about lawsuits filed between countries in the world court, unless I'm missing them. I don't think that's very often. Jeff, thank you. God bless you. Appreciate the phone call. News time now, second hour, right after this on AM 1420, The Answer.